Kia ora, Capital Vineyard Fano. I hope the lockdown is treating you well. You can see behind me my work from home setup. I've been working from home uh, every day of the week, which is unusual for me. I very rarely work from home. And I guess that's a sign of the strange days that we're living in. I wouldn't normally describe myself as an anxious person or a person who worries overly much. One of the things I've noticed about myself in these times, though, is that I am worried, not so much for myself, although if I think about my immediate family, I'm probably the most at risk, but I worry for people I care about. I worry for my mum, for example, who is elderly and smoked for 50 years. She doesn't smoke now, but she has emphysema. I worry about my brother who is in isolation and had, had pneumonia when he went into isolation. And he's had pneumonia four or five times in the past five or six years. He has a lung condition that means he keeps getting it. So he's particularly vulnerable. I worry about my team at work. When all of this started, I had to gather a list of people's health conditions so I could understand who needed isolation urgently and who didn't. I just found it really distressing to see what some of the, some of the vulnerability of some of the people that are, are in my team high blood pressure and respiratory conditions, or they're living with people who are immunosuppressed. And I worry about you, my church family. I worry about your physical and your mental well-being in our time of isolation. I worry about your spiritual well-being, and I worry about your financial well-being. We are living in hard and strange times. But the thing that I've noticed, and the thing that I've found within myself, is that more often than not, there's this core of peace that means the anxieties are like water off a duck's back. So when James asked me to talk about trusting God in times of uncertainty, and we're certainly living in uncertain times, I felt like I could speak from personal experience. I suppose we all can, but I, I, here I am. So I want to talk today about the journey I've been on about finding peace. In these times. At the Vineyard Conference last year, I felt like God really laid down a challenge to me to seek Him as Father. Earlier this year, I spoke about the joyful Father and how I'd been seeking God as joyful Father. In these times, I've been seeking God as the peaceful Father, as the Father of peace. And I most see this through the life of Jesus. And Jesus is the visible representation of the invisible God. And I also see the peaceful Father through the life and writings of Paul. So that's what I want to talk about today. I'm going to start with the best gospel, which would be John. James has been talking to us from John 15 and about how we uh, can abide in Christ. And that is where our fruitfulness comes from. My focus is John 14 and there's this passage where Jesus comforts the disciples but really to understand that we have to look at John 13 where Jesus predicts Peter's betrayal Peter's denial sorry of, of Jesus and Judas's betrayal and all of this occurs in the context of chapters 12 to 18 where there's this incredible passage of Jesus teaching the disciples about what is to come and who they should be. And in John 14, we see this teaching about 
where Jesus comforts the disciples and he talks about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And we have to remember that he's giving this teaching in light of what he knew was about to happen. He knew he was about to literally go through hell. He was going to be beaten, arrested, beaten, tortured, mocked, and killed. And he was going to take on all the sin of the world. And knowing that, in verse 27, he says to the disciples, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This is astounding. Right? Here's this person who is about to go through hell giving his peace away. And I think for me in here the, the, the peace that really stands out is he says, I do not give as the world gives. And what does he mean by that? What he means, I think, is that he is connected with the peaceful father. Jesus is both fully God and fully man. And so he has infinite peace inside him. If I was to give you a dollar, I wouldn't have the dollar anymore. So when Jesus says he doesn't give as the world gives, he can give away his peace and yet retain it. He can give his peace to his disciples and yet retain it. And he carries that peace with him into the trials that come. Uh, and he even carries that joy with him into the trials that come, as I spoke about before. In Hebrews it says, for the joy set before him, he scorned, the, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. Here, he gives his peace to the disciples and tells them not to be troubled and not to be afraid, despite the circumstances that are coming. And I want to just quickly say something here. God is not worried. God is not worried about the coronavirus. God is not worried about climate change. God is not worried about the economy or any of the things that we're worried about. He is our strong tower. He is our refuge in times of trouble. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Clearly, Paul got this. One of my favorite stories about Paul is in Acts 16, from verse 16 to 14. And in this story, we see Paul and Silas, and they cast out a demon from a slave girl. They set her free. The owners don't like this because the demon would prophesy and they'd make money off it. And so they, they drag Paul and Silas into the market. They have them stripped and beaten and thrown in jail and put in stocks. Stocks are a kind of torture device. And there's this incredible transition. So verses 16 to 24 talk about the casting out of the demon and then all this punishment and all this this uh, this awful reaction and so there are these guys and it finishes with them in prison beaten stripped in stocks and in verse 25 it says near, it was near midnight and they were singing hymns and the, every time i read this it's like a slap in the face it's like they were they were beaten and they were in stocks and they were they were stripped and they were unjustly imprisoned and they're singing hymns it's astounding. It's, it's, it's just, it's, it's crazy almost. Why? Well, for me, they knew the peaceful father. They were assured of their present and of their future because they knew the peaceful father. They knew God. Did they know they were about to get a divine jailbreak? I don't think so. 
were they connected with the God of peace that they saw was much larger than their present circumstances? I think they did. Paul wrote the letter to the Romans after this time. And if you read Acts and you read his writings, you see that he, he really endured immense suffering. And he saw the church and Christians enduring immense suffering. And yet he writes this letter to the Romans. And in Romans 1 to 8 is this beautiful exposition of life in Christ. This beautiful exposition of grace. And Romans 8 is the culmination of all of this. And I, I, I've been reading Romans 8 again over the past few days, and, and it just has really blown me away about how much it speaks to our current times. I really encourage you to go and read it in light of the current times. I don't have time to go through it all now, but what I want to pick on are two quick things. First of all, in my Bible there's a section that says our present suffering and, and future glory. And it talks about how all of creation groans under the weight of sin, essentially, and is waiting for the people of God to be redeemed. I just want to have a quick aside here where I was, there's this apologist that I follow on Twitter called Sarah Salviander. She's an astrophysicist. Uh, and she, someone asked her about whether or not God created viruses. And her response was that viruses are a part of a healthy ecosystem. The challenge we have is that human brokenness puts us into interactions with animals that mean that viruses can cross the boundary between the animals and people, and hence we get these kinds of sickness. So I just, I just want to park that. I thought it was an interesting aside. We'll, we'll drive on by. Where I really want to go is verse 28, where it says, and you'll, you'll probably know this, all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his good purpose. Just keep that in mind. One of the things I see in myself and I see in everyone I know and I think is I see, I see in humanity is that we have this deep desire to control things. We have this desire for control. We want to control everything. And if we can control everything, then we feel assured about our present and our future. It's interesting, yesterday T Christy Wimber tweeted I'm just going to read you her tweet. The more we think we're in control of this life, the more trouble we're in. Control is an illusion. It always has been. The narrative where we know, see, or can do as much as God is being stripped away. I think she hit the, hits the nail on the head. This, in, this desire for control in us that we have puts us at odds with trusting God because essentially we want to take his place. We can't control everything God can, but we seek control. It's a part of our brokenness, I think. But the brute fact is that we can't actually control anything, really. We, there's very little that is in our control. I, we struggle to control our emotions at times and our thoughts. And if I actually try to exercise control, then that path leads to tyranny. If I try to control my family, I become an abusive father and an abusive husband. If I try to control my employees, I become an abusive boss. If I try to control a congregation, I become an abusive cult leader. The path of control is the path of tyranny. 
I can challenge, I can exhort, I can encourage, but in the end, I cannot control without becoming a tyrant. This desire for control, whether we act on it or not, is at odds with trusting God. And the, the challenging thing about this time, the thing that sort of makes our anxieties flare up, as it were, is that the pandemic paints for us in stark relief how little control we actually have. I, I don't want to work from home. I can't control that. I have to work from home. I, I, I don't want to be isolated. I can't control that. I have to be isolated. I, I don't want to be isolated from my church family or my friends. But here I am. I have no control over this. I am forced into these situations against my will. No amount of wealth or power or influence enables us to control the vagaries of the world, whether it's viruses or economies or uh, climate change or whatever. The fundamental question for us as Christians is where are we putting our hope and our trust? Are we putting our hope and our trust in things that will fail us? People, governments, jobs, medicine? Or in the unchanging Father of Peace, His Son, the Prince of Peace, and the Holy Spirit, our Comforter and the Bringer of Peace. Now I'm not saying that people or jobs or governments or medicine are bad things. And, you know, I think we're blessed to live in New Zealand and in the culture that we live in because those things are largely okay. They're largely good. But are they, should they be the source of, of our hope and our peace? The, pl the, the, the place we, we rest our hope and our peace? I don't think so, because they will fail us. So how do we seek the Father of peace? I think it's, it's, not e it's easy to say, it's not easy to do, but a big part of that for me has been dwelling on his promises, looking, taking him at his word. He has promised me abundant and eternal life, and I need to choose to believe that promise. At its most visceral, I could end up getting the coronavirus, getting COVID-19. I could end up in ICU. I could end up fighting for my life. And yes, I would trust the doctors. I would trust them to do their job. I would trust them because they're professionals. They're, they're people who want to help. They're people who know what they're doing. But I would not trust them with my life. Because at the end of the day, they cannot control the progression of the disease in my body. They, they can help, they can minister to me, they can, they can do what they can, but they cannot control it. My trust and my hope is in the Lord, and from that peace comes. Live or die, he will keep his promise to me that I will have abundant and eternal life. Do I want to suffer? No, of course not. Do I want the will of God to be done? Yes, I do. And I see that same thinking in the life of Jesus, in the life of Paul, in the life of Christians in the Bible, and down through the centuries. And I have to trust him for the people that I worry about too. Not just for myself, but for all those other people. And I have to, and then there's the opportunity to seek him for how I can be a bringer of peace to those people. 
So that leads me to our challenge. There are two challenges I think we have in these times. First is placing our anxieties in the hands of the peaceful father. We can do this through prayer. We can do it through reading and meditating on the word. We can do it through worship. We can do it through our Christian Fano, our capital vineyard Fano. And I just want to say, even though we are isolated, we are not distant from each other. We are all bound by the Holy Spirit. It is the glue that binds us together as a family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And it doesn't matter if you're physically distant from people, you can still reach out to them. And I think if you are struggling and you're finding it hard to find peace in this time through worship or through reading the Bible or prayer, reach out to your, to your Capital Vineyard family. Reach out to your Christian family. Let us help you. Let us be ministers of peace. We can place all our anxieties and our worries on the Prince of Peace at the foot of the cross. The Prince of Peace will pick them up and he will carry them. He, he, he can carry all of our worries. He's bigger than all of that. He is the infinite Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Infinite Peace. But there's something more that we can do. We can also seek the peaceful Father for how we can be carriers of peace to others in this time. I read a Gospel Coalition article uh, a few weeks ago about how in the time of early Christianity there was a plague in Rome. And in that plague about 5,000 people were dying a day. A lot of the pagan Romans would, would uh, isolate themselves, they would hide, they would uh, threaten people who came near them. And they died in droves. They also complained about the Christians. Because what the Christians were doing was they were going out and ministering to the sick. They were going out and carrying hope and peace and love to the sick. Now the Christians died too. But what they did was know the peaceful father. And carry that peace to others who were going through awful times. Now, I'm not suggesting that we go out uh, and, and put ourselves in situations where we might get infected and die. What I am saying is that let us become spreaders, bearers and spreaders of a kingdom virus. Seek the Lord, seek the Father of peace for how you can reach out to the lost, to the lonely, to the anxious, to the sick. How can you become a spreader of peace in these times. In these anxious times, how can you become a vessel of peace? How can you give freely and give it away? Because the Prince of Infinite Peace, the Father, the Peaceful Father, has infinite peace to give to you that you can give it away. I believe that God is going to use these times to reshape the church. This is a time of shaking. Let us cling to the peaceful Father, and let everything else fall away. Let us seek the new things that he has for us as individuals, for our church, and for the whole church. Thank you very much, and may God bless you in these times, and give you his peace. Back to you, James. <laughs>